It is uh, almost impossible for me to believe that it is almost 2020. In a couple of days, it will almost be 2020. We are just uh, had a chance to spend a couple of days in New Brunswick with some of our family uh, right after Christmas, just a little bit ago. And we were talking, I, I don't remember which conversation it was who we were talking to, but we were talking about the fact that it was almost 2020. And I said, isn't 2020 the year that, we, well, I don't know if, which ones of you are in my generation here, but in our generation, weren't we thinking in 2020 would be like flying in hover cars and wearing silver-colored suits and all that kind of stuff? I mean, that was 2020, That was, but it's here in a couple of days. Uh, uh, in the year 2020, I'm going to turn 50. That's hard for me to believe. Uh, I know, it's not hard for anybody else to believe, but it's hard for me to believe uh, Melody and I are going to have our 27th anniversary. Um, the, another year is going to go by in the, in the history of Mossbrook Church. It's just so hard to believe that we're at this point already. But before we look ahead to the new year and the challenge that is ours, the challenge that, that God is giving us for it, I want to just take a minute and remember for a second. Um, in the old days, and by old days I mean, you know, 15 or 16 years ago, in the old days when we started here at Mossbrook Church, um, we used to print out paper bulletins every week and hand them out to people. How many people remember paper? Okay, that's good. I know everything's digital now, but we used to print out paper bulletins. And for a long time we used the same bulletin every week. And it had a picture on the front of three or four different people. And then on the front of it, under the pictures, it said, a place for you. And that was, that, was the, that was the feeling that we wanted to convey. That was the atmosphere that we wanted to create when people came to Mossbrook Church, especially coming for the first time. We wanted them to know that it was a place for them, a place for you. It doesn't matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done or what's happening in your life right now, but there is a place for you at Mossbrook Church. That's why we picked those bulletins. That's why we did that. And everything that we did was with the intention of creating that atmosphere for the people that, who are coming. Now, what you may not know is that for those of us who were there every week and who were serving, whether we were teaching or, or playing music or singing or, or setting up or serving in some kind of capacity, we had a secret insider motto. The face of it when people came in was a place for you, but the secret insider motto for us was, it's not about me. Because we were saying... We are going to choose to not make this about us. We're going to choose to not say, this is for me. We're choosing to say, this is for you. This is for other people. We're going to do whatever we can to, to serve other people and feed other people and care for other people and help other people. We'll do whatever it takes to make that happen. Mossbrook Church was founded on the principle of introducing people to Jesus. A few weeks ago, we saw some uh, little video clips from different folks, if you remember that, and part of it was uh, Alma reading, uh, talking a little bit and reading a little bit out of her journal. That was the whole reason 
that we started the church was to introduce people to Jesus, people who don't know him, to allow him an opportunity to come into contact with them. And I want us this morning, on the, on the cusp of a new year, as we get ready to head into 2020 and, and whatever it involves, and, and let's be honest here, we have no idea what the year 2020 is going to bring. We have no idea what it's going to bring for us as individuals. We have no idea what it's going to bring for us as a church, as, our, as a country, as a world. We just don't know. I want us to remember our mission here at Mossbrook Church. Our mission is turning lost people into reproducing followers of Christ. That's what we want to do. Everything that happens here, we want to be a part of fulfilling that mission. Now take a moment and think about this in your own personal life. How do you get to know people? If there's somebody that you come into contact with, you've never laid eyes on them before, you've never seen them before, how do you get to know them? It's not a trick question, it's not a deep theological question, it's just a, you know, what do you do? You stop, you talk to them, you introduce yourself, right? Hi, my name is Mike. Now, if your name is Mike, then you're like half of the men in the United States of America. I just bumped into somebody the other day, and I said, hi, my name is Mike. And he said, my name is Mike. That's like... There's like six guys here today that are named Mike, but whatever your name is, you say, you introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Mike. My name is Joe. My name is Fred. My name is Sally. Whatever it is, even here at church when we're bringing people together, it seems like every week I say to somebody, hey, do you know this person? And if they say no, I'll say, let me introduce you to them. And I'll walk them across, hey, this is so-and-so. We introduce each other. We'll never get to know people if we don't introduce ourselves to them. Let me ask you this question. How do people come to know Jesus? How do they meet Jesus for the first time? How will they know who he is? How will they know what he has done if someone does not make the introduction? Now, this this message is not about the theology of salvation. It's not about the methodology of salvation. This is a message about what God has called us to do as Christ followers. And here's what I want you to understand this morning. That God is the one who saves people, but he asks us to make the introduction. Okay? God is the one who saves people, but he asks us to make the introduction. Now, if you've been coming to Mossbrook here for a while, you know that Tim and I don't just make this stuff up. I know sometimes you're sitting there and you're thinking, that guy has no idea what he's talking about. You know, you never think that when Tim's up here, but you do sometimes when I am, and that's okay. But we don't make this stuff up. We always go to Scripture. If you're new to Mossbrook Church, then you will very quickly find out that the Bible is our guide. And we always go to Scripture to hear what God has to say. And that's what we're going to do this morning as we remember our mission to introduce people to Jesus. We're going to go to the Bible. So if you have your Bible, grab it and turn to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John, the fourth book in the New Testament in chapter 1. And if you don't have your Bible here this morning, you need a Bible, come see one of us, we can give it to you. Now, the verses are always on the screen, and we do that so to make sure everybody can follow what's going on. But let me encourage you to bring your Bible. I know sometimes we look at our Bibles, we think, it's overwhelming, it's too big. Your Bible probably has 12 or 13 or 14 or 1,500 pages. How do I find stuff? How do I know where everything is? Let me tell you a, a secret. Not many people know this. 
that the only way to figure out where things are in your Bible is to start trying to figure out where things are in your Bible, okay? So don't be afraid to bring it, flip through it. It doesn't matter if you think everybody can hear my pages still turning while he's already, it doesn't matter. That's how you figure out where stuff is. There's 1,189 chapters in the Bible and you'll never know any better where they are until you start flipping through it for yourself. So grab your Bible, turn to John chapter 1, and we get to John chapter 1, we're introduced to somebody who is commonly called John the Baptist. How many people have ever heard of John the Baptist? Okay, most of you have heard of John the Baptist. Now, a little history lesson, John the Baptist is not the guy who wrote the book of John. I don't know if you knew this, but just like there are 10 million mics On the eastern seaboard, there were a lot of Johns back in Christ's day, okay? So we have John, the apostle, John, whose father's name was Zebedee, whose brother was James. He wrote the gospel of John. He was a disciple. But he's writing here in this chapter about another John who was known as John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was sent to prepare the way for Jesus. If we went all the way back into the Old Testament, we would find a book called Isaiah. And there in Isaiah, he prophesies there's going to be a man that is going to come before Jesus gets here, and he's going to tell people that he is coming. And that man is John the Baptist. And so John was doing that. John the Baptist was doing that. He was traveling around. He was telling anybody who would listen, Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. The one that we've been waiting for, the one who's going to save us from our sin, is coming. Everybody who would listen, he was doing that. And as he did that, he kind of gathered his own following of people. People started following John the Baptist to hear more about the Messiah who was coming. And they were listening, and they were learning, and they were waiting for Jesus. And that's what's happening here. And so in John chapter 1, we're going to read three little snapshots from Jesus' arrival on the scene as the Messiah. So snapshot number one is in John 1, 29 to 34. So let's read that. It says, The next day he, that is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came, baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. Okay, let me just stop right there for a second and tell you this is what John was doing. He was traveling around and he was saying, he wasn't just saying the Messiah is coming. He was saying, look, don't look at me. But just listen to what I'm saying. I'm not the one who's going to change everything. I'm not the answer to everybody's problem. I'm telling you the one who is the answer is on his way. And he's far greater than I am. Later, John would say, I'm not even worthy to unlatch his sandal. Okay, I'm not even worthy to be his servant. But this guy is coming. He's coming. And John, verse 32, and John bore witness... I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Okay, now this is a, it sounds kind of strange there if you're following along and say, what is, what's John talking about? Doves and spirits and all that kind of stuff. 
listen, you have to understand something. There was a point in his life when John the Baptist didn't know Jesus. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't know who he was. And one day God spoke to John and he said, this is the one. This is... This is the person that you have been talking about. You didn't know him, but I'm introducing you to him. This is the one. And he had John the Baptist baptize Jesus. And when he baptized Jesus, Matthew tells us in his record of that event that the Holy Spirit came down from heaven like a dove. We don't know if it was actually a dove, but like a dove descended on Jesus, and John the Baptist, and everyone was there, heard a voice that said, this is my son. You know what that was? That was one of the first introductions to Jesus. And the father made the introduction because nobody else knew who he was. And the father said, this is my son. This is the one. He's the one. That's what John is describing here. So now John says, Now when I see Jesus, I introduce people to him. Look what he says. Behold the Lamb of God. The word behold, we don't use that word very much anymore, but it just means see, understand, hey, this is the one that we've been waiting for. I'm not the one. This is the one. You notice what John did there in that passage that I just read for you two times. It says he bore witness. He bore witness. He he gave a report. This is the exact same word that is changed into the word that we use here today to describe what happens if, if you were to witness an accident. If you were driving out here on the street and you saw two cars run into each other and, and the police came and they said, are there any witnesses, right? Any witnesses? Anybody know what happened? And you say, yes, sir, I was back a few cars back. I saw what happened. What does the police officer say to you? He says, tell me what you saw. Don't tell me what you think. Don't tell me what you suppose or what you surmise. Tell me what you saw, what you witnessed. And this is what John is saying. He's simply telling what he knows. John didn't know everything. He didn't know everything that was going to happen. He didn't know everything that Jesus was going to do or everything that he was going to say. All John did was say what? This is Jesus. He had guys following. He said, guys, this is Jesus. Look at the second snapshot in John chapter 1, verse 35. It says, the next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him for the day or that day for it was about the 10th hour. And one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Now, I just want you to notice a couple of things here. They're very simple. You can see them just by looking at the verse. First of all, you see there at the beginning of the passage, it says, the next day again. The next day again. 
What I want you to notice here is just that this was just John's life. This was his pattern of living. This was his lifestyle. He saw Jesus. He had some guys with him. He said, hey, this is Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's the Lamb of God. The next day, this is Jesus, the Lamb of God. This was the way that John lived. It was part of his lifestyle. But here's what else I want you to notice here. I want you to notice the chain reaction. Did you see it when I read it? How many people saw the chain reaction? You already know what I'm talking about. You're ready to leave. This guy hasn't got anything new. I can see it myself. I'm going to go. Anybody? Okay. That roast is not going to be done until noon. You might as well stay. Or that turkey sandwich is not going to make itself and be waiting for you. Notice the chain reaction. What did John do? John just says, I'm a witness. I don't know everything, but I know that this is Jesus. And he introduces his disciples to Jesus. And they decide to follow him. One of his disciples is named Andrew. And what does Andrew do? Andrew goes and finds his brother Peter and introduces Peter to Jesus. Now I know if you've been coming here very long at all, if you've spent any time reading the Bible, that you've heard of Peter. You may not have heard of Andrew, but you've heard of Peter. Because in Acts, which is just the next book over in your Bible from where we are right now in John, in Acts, God uses Peter to change the world. Peter preaches two sermons and 8,000 people get saved. That's what I call a gospel chain reaction. John introduces Andrew to Jesus. Andrew introduces Peter to Jesus. And Peter introduces thousands of people to Jesus. Okay? Hang on to that. Here's snapshot number three in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, I love this part. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Philip said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Now I just want to read between the lines just for a little bit. I hope I'm not stretching this too much. But the next day, Jesus calls Philip. Jesus himself introduces himself to Philip. But notice that Philip was from Bethsaida. And who else was from Bethsaida? Do you see that? Andrew and Peter. I would not be surprised if after Andrew introduced Peter to Jesus, that Peter, because if you read much about Peter in the Bible, you know one thing that he never had a problem with was a shortage of words. I bet Peter went and probably told Nathaniel too, but anyway, and got him ready, but Jesus introduced himself to, to Nathaniel, or to, to Philip, rather. And then Philip found Nathaniel, his friend, and introduced him to Jesus. Now, I love verse 46, as I mentioned when we were reading it. 
can anything good come out of Nazareth? Because that's what Philip said. We found him, we found the Messiah, the one who is going to change the world. He's from Nazareth. Now, I know that means nothing to you, so I'm going to say it like this. Hey, we found the guy. We found the guy that is going to cure cancer. You did? He's brilliant. It's unbelievable. It's going to change the world. Where's he from? He's from Buckfield. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, I know a quarter of the church is from Buckfield. You know, it's all in good fun. <laughs> what? Buckfield? There's only 300 people that live in Buckfield. How can the guy that changes the world be from a place so small? It wasn't that there was anything wrong with Nazareth. There was nothing wrong with Buckfield. It's just a little teeny tiny place. And that's what Nathaniel was saying. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way the guy that changes everything is from this little teeny tiny place. And what does Philip say? Does Philip launch into a diatribe about the virtues of Nazareth? Or the reality that sometimes good things come out of small places? No, he doesn't do that. What, is, what does Philip say? What does he say? Look at the verse. What does he say? Just come see. Just come see. Folks, listen. Questions are okay. Questions are okay. When you introduce people to Jesus and they have questions, that's okay. You don't have to answer them all right on the spot. Just say, come see. See what you find out. He changed my life. Why don't you come see for yourself? That's what Philip said. God can handle your questions, and he can handle the questions of the people that you introduce to him. Folks, this is not a complicated message this morning. I don't have a bunch of theological principles and complex truths that I want you to memorize and I want you to ponder and I want you to figure out and lay awake at night and think about. I really just want you to remember one thing. I want to challenge you about one thing. I want you to leave here thinking about one thing. And it's this. God is the one who saves people, but he asks you to make the introduction. That's it. That's it. I just want you to think about that. It's as simple as that. He asks you to introduce people to Jesus. He asks you to be a witness. He asks you to tell people what you know. And I want you to understand something as we head into this new year, that you and I introducing people to Jesus will be a key to our growth in this year. Now again, 
is not a message about the theology of salvation. This is just a message about what God asks us to do to be obedient. Do you know why we went from a living room to a little bit bigger living room to a little bit bigger basement to the fire hall to here because the group kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger? Because people were just introducing their friends to Jesus. Hey, you got to, just like Philip said to Nathaniel, what did they say? You, you just got to come and see. You got to come and see this. Not come and see this. Come and see what Jesus has done for me. You just got to come see. I can't explain it all. I don't have all the answers. But you got to come and see. Listen to these verses from Romans 10. They may sound familiar to some of you when I read them. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The invitation is made to everyone. Tim talked to us about that a couple of weeks ago, didn't he? But listen to this part. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone's preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now I hope that there is absolutely no question that every single one of us that is here this morning who is a Christ follower, who knows Jesus Christ as their Savior personally, I hope there is no question that every single one of us wants other people to come to Christ. I hope that is just, we don't even have to talk about that. That's a given. But the question is, how are they going to believe on Jesus if they've never heard of Jesus? And how are they ever going to hear of Jesus unless someone introduces them to him? Someone has to make the introduction, and that someone is you. Here's my question as we wrap this up. Are you introducing people to Jesus? I did not ask if you're out on the street corner wearing a sandwich board preaching. I didn't ask you if you have all kinds of theological training and know all the answers to all the tough questions. I simply asked, are you introducing people to Jesus? Now I know what you might be thinking. I can't. Because I'm not smart enough. I'm not articulate enough. I'm not mature enough. I'm not outgoing enough. I'm not knowledgeable enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not brave enough. I'm not faithful enough. Can I tell you something? Neither am I. I'm not either. I'm not very brave. And there are times when I'm not very faithful. There are times when I'm not very holy. In fact, none of us really are. We're all lacking. We're all lacking. You remember the secret insider motto? that I told you about before. The out front was a place for you and the secret insider motto was, this isn't about me. Well, that actually has a double meaning. <laughs> this isn't about me. It's not about if I get what I want. I want other people to hear about Jesus. 
But there's another meaning to the it isn't about me. <laughs> I'm not going to change anybody's life. I'm not going to change this town. I'm not going to change this state, this country, this world. This is all about Jesus. He's the one that has the ability to do it. And I'm so thankful that all of this depends upon God. He's the one. He's the one. That's why we sing songs like we did when we started this morning. One of my favorite songs, Ren Collective. Build what? Build your kingdom here, God. You build your kingdom. This is not about me building my kingdom. It's not about us building our kingdom. It's about God building his. I'm just thankful that God saved me, chose me, loved me. Because I am a nobody. I'm just one guy out of 7.3 billion people that live in this world. But God chooses nobodies to reach the world. That's us. A bunch of nobodies who know Jesus. And he asks us to make the introduction. God's not asking you to be anything that you're not. He's simply asking you to obey, to make the introduction. I'm thankful for the people who have obeyed already. Very thankful. In the 1930s, just outside of Bangor in a little town, there were three brothers, three rowdy brothers with their parents, they're always getting in trouble, always getting in messes. And a guy came to town, his name was Paul Ramsdell, and Paul Ramsdell decided that God had asked him to try and introduce kids to Jesus, and so he started a Sunday school. And he walked around town inviting kids to come to that Sunday school, and he invited these three dirty, scrappy brothers regular brothers beating on each other and all that stuff to come to his Sunday school and they came and after a while as Paul introduced those brothers to Jesus they came to trust Jesus and all three of those brothers grew up and became pastors nobody will remember who those brothers were They toiled in little churches and little rural towns in Maine. But I'll remember who they are. Because the youngest brother was my grandfather. And my grandfather told his sons and daughter about Jesus. And my grandfather's sons became pastors. And one of them is my father. And he and my mother introduced me to Jesus. That's a gospel chain reaction. And I'm very thankful for it. And you know what? There is a gospel chain reaction in your life if you know Jesus this morning. And my challenge to you this morning for this year that's coming and all the opportunities that God is going to give us is don't let it stop with you. 
because someone introduced someone to Jesus who introduced someone else to Jesus who introduced you to Jesus. And it stops with you. There is someone down the line who is not going to hear. So don't let it stop. I'm giving it to you. You give it to somebody else. And God will build his church. And he will build his kingdom. And he will accomplish his will. And he will change hearts and lives. Father, thank you for your goodness and grace to us. Thank you for all of those people down through history that have heard the good news about Jesus and have passed it on, have introduced others to that same Jesus, to the Messiah who changed their hearts and lives. Thank you for the people who introduced us to Jesus. And I pray that we might do the same. I pray that it would not stop with us, but that we would make that introduction. Go with us now, Father, into whatever it is that's coming. We don't know, but you do. And prepare our hearts and use us and bring the people into our paths at work, in our neighborhoods, wherever we are, who need to know Jesus. And give us the courage to simply say, come and see. Thank you for all of your love, Father. In Christ's name, amen.